Ladies and gentlemen, Delta! Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Project Brief. Uh, if you don't know what the Project Brief is, it is a little episode that I run on the Boink network where I talk about a Boink project in simple terms and try to explain it as simply as possible so that you, the volunteer citizen scientist, can actually understand what the hell you're doing. <laughs> It's science, so we got to know what we're doing. That's the most important thing. I think that's um, your best intro yet, easily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, but as always, uh, keep all questions till the end. We'll have a little discussion section. And this time, we actually have one of the project admins in the, in the chat, and we'll have a chat to them probably towards the end. Uh, Jeringa, what's your favorite robot? Hmm, I've never thought about this. Um, uh, um... Shoot, man. Was VR Troopers a robot? I don't think that was a robot. I think they just got bigger. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, then I'm going to go with the Megazord. Fair enough. Mine's probably Wally. <laughs> mm, it's a good robot. What a cute little <laughs> robot. Oh, man. Recycling all that metal. He doesn't recycle. He just puts it out of sight, out of mind. Well, he helps in the recycling process. Oh, yeah, he does. Wow, i got to watch that movie again. Are we talking about <laughs> Wally today? Project Brief on Wally? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to make a Wally out of it. But yeah, last time we did Minecraft at home, or if you abbreviate it, MC at home, and today we're doing MLC at home. <laughs> uh, and this project aims to explain the weird and funky world of AI. Uh, and I should note, it is actually one of the few and probably only AI-focused projects. And I'll explain that a bit later. So uh, we should probably explain what an AI is, uh, or at least how it works at a technical level. So we all pretty much know that AI is something that's probably really complex that does something really simple. Like, for example, you got algorithms on the internet that'll recommend you videos or uh, posts on social media based on what you've done before. Some people even have devices in their homes that listen to their voice and basically give them answers to questions or get them to do things based on how they speak. And the process of turning that speech into a command is, or possibly might be an AI in itself. Um, it's often that no one knows how it works. And um, that's sort of the point of an AI. Because of the way that it's made at the technical level, it operates a bit like the human brain. And we don't know a lot about, we don't know a huge amount about the human brain as to how it functions all together, but we do know different components of the brain. Similar to an AI, we might know certain components of it, but in the greater whole, we don't know how it actually comes up with its decisions. And before we get on to talking about purely about AI, we should probably talk about decision support systems because that's all an AI really is. Uh, in first rudimentary computing, um, uh, when rudimentary computing came along, humans use computers to calculate basic things like math equations and numbers. They also use it for the Apollo missions. Uh, and sometimes they use it as a data store. So they went in and they wanted some data, they fetched the data and they got it. And uh, if you ever watched Hidden Figures, you'd note that they had an IBM computer in that movie and they used an IBM computer for the Apollo missions. But the, the astronaut that actually went up at the end, he wanted someone, a human, to actually do the calculation. And so that's what we mean by decision support. These, these systems are made to support the decisions, not to make them. 
And after rudimentary computing uh, came expert systems. And so these aren't like super hyper complex systems, but they're more or less sort of like the things you find on the internet with an internet doctor or something like that. So if you go on and you ask a set of questions, oh, do you have a fever? Uh, do you have um, do, do you have a fever? Yes. Do you have coughing? Yes. Um, okay, you have cancer. <laughs> And it's it's stuff like that. And the great thing about expert systems is that you can ex actually explain how they got to their answers because it follows a distinct line of questioning and there's a programmed set of results. And now we come to the uh, we come to the stage of AI. Uh, and AIs most most AIs are made from something that's called a neural network. And basically, to put it in a sentence, it's a bunch of input nodes connected to other nodes, connected to more nodes, and then connected to the output nodes. What are these nodes, you say? It's just something that takes an input, multiplies the number that it got as an input, and then sends it straight out to the output. And the output could be another node. It could be the output of the process. Um, and yeah, it, it's really weird how you can get these really interesting and complex ideas and functions from simply just multiplying a whole bunch of numbers. And the way an, an AI or neural network is trained is that you have some inputs and you have some known outputs. So you need to have the answers before you want them sort of thing. And if you give it the input and also show it the correct answer, what your program can do is it can manipulate the little nodes on the inside of the AI to make it better at answering the question sort of thing. And often the more nodes that you have in the system, the more it can do. So if you want to do something very simple, like um, uh, probably, let's say, uh, press a button when a part of the screen turns a different color, you won't need a different, you won't, you won't need a lot of nodes in the AI to do that, because all it has to do is just has to see that there's different colors or there's a distinct change. And then a hey, presto, just pass that through the system, bang, done. All right, but if you want to do something more complex like voice recognition or um, facial recognition, there's a lot more data, there's a lot more possibilities, and there's a lot more things to do and a lot more variation um, to that task. And so in order to cater for all that complexity, you need more nodes to be able to configure itself in a more sophisticated fashion. And so you can probably see that it is a lot more like the human brain. Like for example, an ant's brain only knows really how to walk, how to move about, how to attack, how to eat, and how to grab stuff back to the nest. All right, human brains are capable of thought. Uh, they're capable of consciousness. They're capable of doing motor uh, motor actions, really complex stuff. And the significance of the more complex brain compared to the more simpler brain um, is a good analogy for AI as well. So the most important concept of decision support systems is that they're for decision support, not decision making. And this is where some people are getting it wrong. And it's where I also fear the future is going to be headed. And uh, it, I have a feeling that we're moving to a world where we let AI do everything <laughs> and it could turn out catastrophic. And I'm not talking to the point of Skynet, but I'm talking to the point where people's lives might be at risk. And I'm talking like, oh, well, if all surgeries are now run by AI, then it might come across one in one billion cases where it'll accidentally stab the patient instead of cutting out a cancer or something like that. Um, and that's why we need decision support, not decision making. 
Um, and it might turn into the fact that we're going to move to that stage anyway, because we started out with rudimentary computing and we, tr we at first didn't trust computers to spit out the right numbers. Now we do trust them to spit out the right numbers in just simple calculations. Maybe expert systems might be next and then, then comes AI that we trust AI for everything. Uh, another good example is also driverless cars. So um, usually most laws in, in most governments that allow driverless cars have this idea in mind that it's decision support, not decision making. And they require someone to be in the car at all times in case the driverless system fails. Okay, so MLC at Home is here to rescue us from Skynet. <laughs> MLC at Home aims to build up data sets of trained AIs so that it can be used to further research. So this is an intermediary science project and its research will be used for further research on investigating how AI works and measuring if AI or certain AIs match a particular criteria and are correct or at least trained with good data. So the goal of this is we wanna come up with two things. So we wanna know how the AI came up with the idea or at least the decision. And we want to know whether the AI is correctly functioning or it, uh, or is it the best it can be. Um, MLC at home um, currently can't do the first one, but it is focusing a lot more on the second one, which is we want to know if it's functioning. Uh, there is a graph that they uh, that actually is results from the project, and I'll just post that in the chat now. Okay, so the graph that I just posted in chat, for those of you that are not in the chat, uh, it is a scatter plot of a whole bunch of different dots and there's groupings of different colored dots. So there's red, blue, orange, purple, and green. Uh, now the red, blue, orange, and green are mostly well sort of grouped. So there's very, very consistent uh, blotches of those dots. And the purple one is a bit more sparsed out, but you can still see it occupies a pretty decent space and it's grouped pretty well. What each of these dots represent is a particular type of neural network and it has a particular different task. And the thing that this graph is trying to represent is that most of the AI, most of the neural networks that are trained for that particular task are grouped around a particular set of sort of configuration of the nodes. And if, uh, if this is correct, then we can assume that if we're programming an AI, most of the AIs that we train, if we train more than one, which is usually the case, they will all be grouped around a certain clustering of nodes. So the nodes will sort of look the same if you program the same AI. And uh, by using this research, we can test whether a, an AI that was trained is close to the others that were trained and whether it's better or worse or actually just simply completes the task the same way that the others, that the others do. And uh, in the end, we should be able to check future AIs that we train against this data set, or at least the results from this data set, and see whether it is similar to other AIs in the data set, or at least gain a method of being able to check whether the newly trained AI is better or worse, or close enough or correct compared to the rest of the AI. And so if it's clustered within the same area, it's pretty good. But if it's outside, it might be adversarial, it might be erroneous, um, or it might just need more training. And so as they say with most science, if you put in rubbish, you get out rubbish. Uh, yep, and uh, MLC at Home, the project admin, which we're about to talk to, just quickly mentions that each dot on the, on, the, on the graph does actually represent a neural network, and it is a single work unit crunched by someone that was running MLC at Home.
Uh, okay, and so this is a good, uh, I just went blank. <laughs> What's the word? Detour, that's it. Now this is a good detour into bringing in MLC at home straight into the chat, the project admin, ugly bag of mostly water. Um, they intend uh, they intended with this project to fill a gap in research that they that they found that wasn't in the research environment no one else was trying to do anything like this and they found that it might be a good prospect to do for the future of science and ai and neural networks to make this data find a method and generate these data sets to help with um, the rest of ai studies so mlc at home if you want to unmute your mic uh, tell us how you're going to stop Skynet from happening. Well, I'm not sure we're going to be able to necessarily stop Skynet, but uh, <laughs> I think that was a that was a, a pretty good overview of of what we're doing. Um, we know the the math part of how to create these neural networks. We know how to like like we understand the math and how we turn the crank and get an output and get a, a neural network that will do things like identify a cat picture or you know determine whether some text is a good review or a bad review or, or, or things like that um what we started looking at though was is there a way that we can that you know we understand the 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 machinations of how it works but we don't always understand the answers that that it produces so we looked around and we saw that there really wasn't a data set available of trained neural networks that we could go back and say, well, let's compare you know, one network that identifies cat pics versus another network that identifies cat pics. Why are they different? What is, what is the thing that makes them different? And as data scientists, the first thing we say is, well, give us the data. And so that's where we really saw an opportunity with Boink and the ability to create to do a lot of computation in parallel in order to start creating some of these data sets. Um, the colors that you see on that picture, you know, all the dots of the same color are all perform about equally using our current methods for determining what a network is. Yet clearly given the spread of the cluster that you see there, there are some that are closer to the middle of that cluster. There are some that are farther away. What does that mean? Is one better than another? Is one not as good as another? Uh, and as you mentioned, we could talk about, well, what if you get a network that doesn't fall anywhere near that cluster? Is that Was that trained with bad data? You know, what, what's going on there? So really this is providing that data set for uh, other research to build off of. And it was really only been possible with a large distributed computing platform like Boink. Yep, and that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I think that uh, this research is going to go on to do some great things. And um, I have a feeling that some big company might be coming in to swoop some of that data. <laughs> so be prepared. Um, but uh, yeah, moving on, because we don't have that much time left. So I have seen other Boink projects use AI before, but I haven't really seen, or at least I can't name a Boink project that actually trains AIs. And so this is probably one of the first projects uh, that actually trains AIs in Boink. Uh, other projects that have used AI as for example, Rosetta at Home, which actually has used an AI to help with protein folding. Uh, but yeah, this is a very interesting new project and uh, it's one of the first that I can say is making AIs.
MLC at home does have results. We showed a bit of them earlier. Um, and uh, if we have a bit of time at the end, we could probably talk about uh, a little other results in depth. Um, now the project is currently training more complex AI. So it started off really small, with very simple stuff, and now it's moving to some more complex things. Uh, MLC at home is currently CPU only and runs on Windows and Linux. You can also run MLC at home on your Raspberry Pi as well. Uh, it supports Raspberry Pis and um, single board computers. Uh, GPU support is coming soon, they flagged, and um, I don't know what to do next for my boink, um, for my project brief. <laughs> you have like another 100 projects you could choose from. Uh, many. <laughs> yeah, I got man. questions. Get out of here, Goblin. We're recording I, I, serious podcasts. What are you doing, Mr. Popper? What's yeah, it comment? is questions. Let's get the questions coming in. <laughs> I do have questions, though. And I think it's more of a vocab question, and it may be pedantic, but I don't think it is. Um, so I'm a little confused. I read a lot about uh, machine learning, neural networks, and artificial intelligence. And I, my understanding is they're three very different things, and artificial intelligence is not a thing. Uh, so, but but you keep using AI. So I'm just confused about what the difference is between machine learning, neural networks, and artificial intelligence. So yeah, I, in this case, I was broadly and loosely using the words AI and neural networks. Um, and in the case of this project brief, I was using them to describe the work of MLC at Home. So most of the stuff that MLC at Home does is, as they said, neural networks. And so neural networks are those systems which have all those nodes take in numbers, multiply those numbers, send them to more nodes, multiply those numbers, and then send them to outputs. Um, but the difference between all of them is, I guess, up to the people who use them, really. Um, but uh, I think AI is a very broad term. Neural networks are specific, which, as I just said, um, and there are other terms as well, which might be more specific. Okay, cool, because that alleviates the fear a little bit. Neural networks are roughly understandable right sometimes you're confused about the output or like how they get there uh but with an ai that's like that's the scary thing because an ai is you don't understand anything it's an artificial intelligence uh it it is intelligence it is sack pop before he finishes this bottle of whiskey uh so <laughs> it, it's about 400 cascading if statement <laughs> yeah <laughs> I have had people like talk to me about uh, implementing AI, right, uh, in the in the field that I focus on, and um, usually we do everything in our power to convince people to not do it. Um, and they have to literally. We've had clients be like, uh, we force them to justify AI to us, um, and most of the time they're like, well, I just need something that pulls something in, parses it, and then uh, and then like gives me the output. And I'm like, okay, so you're talking about a parser. Like, what the heck? Like, wh why would you need AI? And he goes, well, you know, I need AI, right? So it's a yeah, buzzword, no, yeah. It's it's a buzzword, and um, you're 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 not wrong. I mean, it's it's um, it's it's a cool concept. It it honestly, I see AI doing better work in pet projects than I do see in uh in like enterprise tooling. Um, enterprise tooling, the best AI I've seen in enterprise tooling has to do with uh freeform language translation and uh and assistance with like confidence intervals so like i want to uh like i need a word to fill in in this sentence and i can't figure out what synonym i want to use it'd be like based off your writing style like i think you should use this word with like 85 percent confidence right like something like that that's really the best usage of ai at this point in development i'm sure someone in here will probably 
tell me no, but yeah. I will. No. Okay. Well, you're wrong. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, but thank you, Delta. That was that was my question. You were using AI as as and neural networks sort of interchangeably as the broad definition of it. Yep. So I don't annoy anyone. It is now at the end of the recording, so you can. Uh, I made it. A, yeah. All right. Cool. Are there any other questions for Delta? I love this project. I think it's uh, it's a very interesting use of Boink. Um, I have one to ask directly to um, Project Admin. If no one else has one, it's going to be a quick one. All right. Um, okay. So, ugly bag of mostly water. Um, your neural networks focus on solving, or at least implementing, or in some way uses state machines, um, and just uses them for sort of the the processing or the purpose of the neural network. Um, is that appropriate for the modern day applications of neural networks? And do you plan on changing that sort of method or focus? So. Certainly, a state machine is really good. It's a really good analog for sequence to sequence learning. So, say if you wanted to do machine translation from you get one string of inputs and you want to translate it to a string of outputs, be that another language or something like that. Uh, the two main areas that you see going on right now where machine learning is really used is in machine translation and in image processing and image classification. So, uh, we're certainly going to try uh, a couple of different things. We're currently working on data set four, which will be our first one to be based on image classification. So uh, it'll be based on uh, convolutional neural networks as opposed to recursive neural networks that we've been using up until now. Uh, so we want to make sure that we get data sets that cover a wide spectrum of neural network types so that we can really build up our understanding of each type and see how broadly applicable any new techniques are. That's fantastic. Um, just quick definitions for people who want to know what they are. State machine, it's basically a computer, or at least in this case, it's a mathematical representation of a computer. Uh, convolutional neural network, it's a neural network that instead of using the full set of nodes that goes through and hits other nodes, it uses convolutions of nodes, um, and it's much better suited for image processing and those sorts of tasks. If you want to learn more, I'd recommend searching it on the internet um, because it is a lot more complex than a simple neural network. I got a question. Uh, it's more of a restatement. Can you? Is this correct when it, it comes to explaining what MLC at home does? So, like every once in a while, you'll see this neural net developed that can identify cats, and every once in a while, it identifies like a bunch of oranges that are sort of shaped like a cat. So. It, in that graph you shared, all the cat pictures identified as cats would be in the center. And then that bunch of oranges would be one of those outlier dots. And you're trying to build this data set so you can figure out why the bunch of oranges was identified as a cat? Yeah, kind of. I mean, we want to know that neural networks are performing their duties as well as possible. And if we get a network that identifies something, you know, there's a picture that just came up as, you know, muffins or a dog. Um, <laughs> You know, one would think that networks that are closer to the middle of that cluster would be better at, you know, identifying the dogs and rejecting muffins instead of dogs, or and ones to the outer edge of that may or may not be, uh, you know, might be more susceptible to that. So that's the the type of thing that we're hoping to learn. That's awesome. Oops. So so question on that is, um, and I apologize if I, I might have answered this earlier. Uh, I just joined, but um, what specific AI 
tooling are you using to kind of do that evaluation? So are you using a specific open source AI set or is this a, is this a custom one you've developed? Um, yeah. You mean the training set? No, not, not the actual set. I'm saying like what AI technology, like, like are you using some uh, like, like Python AI libraries? Like what, what, what AI is, is behind these AI, uh, the, these, um, these things. Yeah, we're using specific. We're, we're using PyTorch, uh, but we're using okay, the PyTorch. Okay. We're using the PyTorch C front end because shipping a Python part, sh shipping Python as part of a Boink project was going to be harder than creating a standalone C application. So, but it's all PyTorch underneath. Gotcha. Okay. So I'd say that's probably the end of the project brief. Um, thank you all for listening, and. Uh, Meet me next time in probably about two weeks to see which other project we're doing next. And uh, now off to the Boink Radio. Woo! Delta! Yeah!